Hello and welcome to TBD. Now, you may be wondering why TBD. Well, nothing in your 20s is set in stone, so in the meantime, we'll leave it to be determined. I'm Yael Evan and I'm the girl with the red lip. This little podcast of mine is inspired by the book Tuesdays with Maury and my favorite people in the whole world, my grandparents. Growing up, I've always looked up to the wise, so I thought, why not bring something close to home here on campus? Well, we'll leave it at that. Now, sitting right in front of me is Danielle Musselman. You may have seen her on the big screen at the Georgia Southern Arkansas football game this past weekend or at the sidelines cheering on the men's Razorback basketball team. How's it going, Danielle? Good. Thank you so much for having me. So how are you doing today? I'm good. I, um, I love the cool down and the weather, so I'm enjoying that. It was nice to kind of get outside this morning with the jacket on. So, Danielle, I'm really excited, and I'm so glad you're here. I'm so excited to have a girl boss sitting right in front of me. So where did you grow up? Um, a little bit of everywhere. I say that I'm from Atlanta, but um, I was actually born in St. Louis. My dad worked for Ford, and so we moved a lot. I lived in, let's see, New Jersey. I lived in Pittsburgh. Um, I lived, where else did I live? West Bloomfield, Michigan. And then I went to high school in Atlanta, outside of Atlanta. And that's where my parents still live, so I say that that's where I'm from. But really, I lived all over. So what was it like growing up and moving all these places? You know what? Growing up as a kid, I hated it. Like, I clearly remember just crying, you know, whenever my parents were like, well, Dad got a promotion, it's time to move again. But when you're that age, it's hard to see, like, the big picture. And as an adult now, I'm so thankful for the moving because whenever I ventured into my own career being a sports anchor, I had to move everywhere. Like, I had to pick up and move to Bristol, Connecticut when I was 26. And had I not had that experience growing up, kind of moving all around and knowing that it's gonna be okay, I think I, I would have been really afraid and I don't know if I would have been able to do that career. I, I might have bailed on it a little early if I didn't have that, you know, that lifestyle growing up. So how was your family dynamic when moving around? Um, I know, I, I'm the oldest. I have a brother and a sister who are both younger than me and I remember um, hating moving the most <laughs> out of all three of us. Um, but it might be because I was the oldest, because I remember whenever we moved to Atlanta, where's, where, where's where I went to high school, my sister was younger. I think she was just in elementary school. So really she got to stay in the same place for like her entire middle school and high school. And um, so it's, you know, not as big a deal. I look at it like my daughter, who's now kind of settled in one place. Um, so uh, I would just say like, I said I, I was the one that hated moving the most. Um, we were a sports family. My dad played college basketball, and I really grew up just going to basketball games, going to baseball games, sitting and, and watching these games with my dad, and it really um, shaped me wanting to become a sports anchor. So what is y'all's relationship like right now, you and your dad? Well, at my, I actually lost my dad when I was in college, um, and the cool thing, I don't know if you've heard the story, but he's from Arkansas. And so it's really cool and special to me, me being back here in the state of Arkansas where he grew up. And my entire family has always been Razorback fans. And, and it's so fun, like nobody cheered louder whenever my husband got this job than my dad's family. So that was really cool. Where did you go to school? I went to Florida State. And that really shaped my love of college football. My dad wasn't a football fan, so I did not know that much about it growing up. And then I went to Florida State and just fell in love with it. We were really good when I was in school. I don't think we lost a home game 
in four years, and then we ended up winning the national championship the year after I graduated. So it was a really cool time to be a Seminole. And what did you study? Communications. Is that what you studied, or are studying, I should say? I am studying broadcast journalism right now, so currently just finding my niche. Yeah. Um, so why communications? What sparked your interest? You know, like looking back, as when I was a kid, I never thought that I wanted to be a broadcaster. I was like a typical kid where one week I wanted to be a veterinarian and then the next week I wanted to be an architect. But now when I look back, I was always that kid as far back as I can remember that was like volunteering to read the announcements, that was doing um, plays. I was always doing public speaking type of things. That was running for student council. So it's always something that I've been interested in and had a talent in. I just didn't realize kind of like how I was going to direct that talent. And then um, my first year of school, that's not what I thought that I was going to do. And then some somewhere along the lines, I remember I was a sophomore and I was like, I want to be in broadcasting. And I knew that I wanted to do sports. I've always, like I said, been a huge sports fan. And um, so it just kind of all came together. So what was it like um, as an aspiring sports broadcaster as a woman? Um, lots of disappointment. <laughs> I hate to say that, but it's true. It's really tough, and, and not just um, not just as a as a woman. It's a really competitive field in general, and so um, you know it was tough. And it's it's just one of those things. I remember whenever I first got out of college, and I thought that my job would be like waiting for me, and it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't waiting for me, and so it took a long time. I think from the time that I graduated until the time that I got my first on-air job was probably about a year and a half to two years. And it was so long ago, it was before you could like mail your resume tape out. I, I literally, I mean email your resume tape out. I literally had to mail a VHS tape. So I remember when I first graduated, graduated I was home at my mom's house for the summer and I would like go down to this little FedEx store and I, every day I was like mailing out these VHS tapes and I never would hear anything back. I wouldn't even hear back like, you were terrible, thanks for applying. It's just a lot of people, I mean, they get hundreds of tapes for every single position. So um, me knowing that I was really passionate about being a sports anchor is kind of what got me through that time. And eventually somebody said yes. So I feel like it's very frowned upon at right after college to go back to your parents' house and save money. But it's a thing and people do it. So what was it like going back from living your life in college and going back to mom and dad's house. Oh, I, I was miserable. I wish, <laughs> I wish I could lie and say it wasn't that bad, but I was miserable because I really wanted to be at that next step in my, in my career. Like I wanted to be an adult. I had felt like I had been being an adult for four years. And um, so I remember I went back home and then after I was there for a few months, I ended up going back to Tallahassee and getting a job um, at a local news station. And I, I was like the graphic person, so I would like get up at 5 a.m. and I'm like typing the lunch menus for the, the morning news. And not what I wanted to be doing at all, but I knew I didn't want to stay home and do nothing. I wanted to do anything that I could do to kind of take that next step closer to my career. I feel like it's always really weird going back home, even I'm a sophomore in college and like love mom and dad, but it's weird, I have my freedom and then I have to be back home. I, I hate to hear that because now I'm the parent, you know <laughs> what I mean? And I'm like, I want my kids to come back home and um, so I, I hope that they don't feel that way. <laughs> I'm like, come home for the summer, spend time with me. So what what is motherhood like? 
it's amazing and frustrating and hard and wonderful. It's, it's just all of the things. I have, um, it's really cool once your kids are adults. I have two stepsons um, that are 21 and 26, or about to be 26. And it's cool having that relationship, like the grown up relationship where we can like go out, go to a concert, go to a comedy show and do that. And that's really awesome and wonderful. And then I have, we have my, our 11 year old. And so I still have that, you know, that going to watch her do dance competitions, dealing with all her and her friends, managing sleepovers and all that kind of stuff. So I, I feel like it's really cool to have kids at both stages in life because they're both really fun and awesome, but like all in the same breath, it's, it's so frustrating. And I, even just last night I was telling my daughter, I'm like, when you're upset, it, it, you know, I'm upset. So you're constantly worried and, you know, you, you never sleep as good as before you had kids once you've already had them. Sorry. <laughs> so what is your relationship like, relationship like with your daughter? Well, when she's in a good mood, she's like my best friend. Um, when she's in a bad mood, it's like she is my enemy. <laughs> it's, you know, it's hard. And it's, she's a girl, she's super dramatic, and she's one of those when I know I have to get on her about something that like bursts into tears within the first two minutes. <laughs> so I just have to prepare myself like, okay, there's gonna be a dramatic outburst, and I just have to deal with it. But luckily she's much like my husband and she gets over things and then two minutes later she's like hey mom want to you know go get some ice cream <laughs> you know my mom's listening right now and we're the same way <laughs> and to this day we still five we still love each other and yes. <laughs> that's just the mother-daughter dynamic yeah it's so amazing. you say she takes up like eric she it's funny she has it's she has some of both of us in her in her but the the fact that she gets over things quickly is exactly like my husband. And I'm a Taurus. I can hold a grudge for like six months. The two of them, they are over things in five minutes. And I really like appreciate that. I'm like, I wish I could be more like that, but I'm st I still just hold on to stuff and I'm still mad. So are you a forgiver, but not a forgetter? Yeah, yeah, it just takes me a little longer. And like now I'm kind of, uh, I realize it, you know what I mean? And I'm like, listen, you guys know it takes me a little longer. Just give me a couple more days. I'm still mad. <laughs> so I'm dying to know, how did you and Eric meet? People love that story and that question. <laughs> um, so I was a sports anchor at Fox. Eric was not working. He was, had been fired from the Sacramento Kings and he had um, really kind of missed time with both of my stepsons, so he was just home in the Bay Area being a dad. And I was working in Los Angeles, and I was hosting a panel on sports and the media, and he happened to be in the, in the audience. And after it was over, there was like a little mixer outside, and so um, I met him then, and we started talking, and it's funny because I remember, like vividly remember how nice and friendly he was, and funny and um, he is not like that <laughs> with people that he doesn't know. And so I'm like, you must have really liked me because you were turning on all of the friendliness and all of like, he was really going for it. Um, so we met there and I remember he was like, hey, do you want to come up for the weekend to the Bay Area? You know, this is going on. And I figured, you know, this guy has a Wikipedia page. He probably can't, like, kidnap me. We all know who he is. <laughs> and so I went for it, and we have been together ever since. It's pretty crazy, pretty instant. So what is it like raising your kids as an interracial couple? You know, I 
have had conversations with her now um, at 11. I would say before we maybe moved here, when she was younger, it wasn't something that we really talked about with her because I thought she was kind of too young to, to grasp everything because it was just her normal, you know, growing up like that. And her two brothers are white, completely white, and so she never even really pointed out that she was different than them. Um, but now, since moving here, it's just something that we've had conversations with her about. And the cool thing is there's a lot more diversity um, here than where we came from. So she has several other friends that are also biracial, which is really cool um, that she's been able to relate to them about that. And um, we just talked through some things. And even like through last summer when it was really the Black Lives Matter movement, um, I had those discussions with her because thinking back whenever I was a kid, it, they just weren't things that were really talked about, and I want to raise my daughter different. I want her to really be knowledgeable. I want to really empower her to use her voice. I want her to be able to talk about things whenever they bother her. And so, you know, I just, I'm just really open with her. And like I said, for her, it's really normal. She has several other friends that are biracial. My husband has kids on the team that are biracial. So it's not something that's so different, but, um, you know, I just, want her to feel comfortable talking about things all the time in regards to race. So how do you react when people solely identify you as the basketball coach's wife? <laughs> I kind of laugh. You know, I'm used to it by now. Eric's been in this game for a while. Um, but that's not how I identify myself. You know what I mean? I know in the state of Arkansas it is what it is, and that's what people think about. But I had a, a long life before I met Eric. You know, we didn't meet until I was 30, I think. And so I accomplished a lot and did a lot and was really my own person. And that is really who I kind of, I personally kind of identify with first, but I understand we're here in Arkansas and right now people are really loving the basketball team and that's what they are just gonna be drawn to. And that's okay. Um, I've found that I just try to use that platform that people um, see me as for good things and that's, kind of how I've gotten involved in my philanthropy and different things like that. So I don't mind being basketball coach's wife if I can go out there and, and push ways to help the community. So in your relationship, how do you express your individuality? Um, you know what? People would be surprised by this. I, I guess people know that coaches work a lot, but coaches' wives are some of the most independent women that there are because those, their jobs are all-consuming. So expressing your individuality really isn't that hard because I, you know, I really am forced to be independent in so many ways just because my husband works so much. Um, so it seems like I might get all consumed by his job, but really it's almost the complete opposite um, where I have to do a lot of things by myself. I mean, I really form my own friendships with people that are outside of basketball. I have my basketball friends too and my sport, not just basketball, entire athletic department friends, but I also have friends that are not part of that. And I have, you know, relationships where I can talk about politics or talk about just so many different things that have nothing to do with basketball. So we both know you're more than the basketball coach's life. I mean, wife, what does your day-to-day -day look like? Um, I, I do a lot of stuff like this. You know, I, I love getting involved with the university within the broadcast department because that was a passion of mine for so many years and I've kind of amassed a lot of knowledge and I love giving back to students because um, people gave back to me and I was always that kid. I was like you 
where I was like always asking people, okay, what'd you do? How'd you get there? Um, so I do get involved with that whenever I can. I'm also a constant Uber driver for our daughter who does competitive dance, so that's that's a whole other issue. Um, but then I'm really involved in a lot of different different philanthropic endeavors. Right now I'm in the process of planning a gala for next month, and um, that's taking up a lot of my time, but I'm on several boards. Um, and I kind of advise, I will say, just because of my um, my wealth of knowledge with event planning for these different um, philanthropies, I, I really like to kind of share that knowledge to different, different. Uh, so I know you're involved with Make-A-Wish Mid-South and Coaches Versus Cancer. How'd you get involved with those? Yeah, so Coaches Versus Cancer, um, basically I was at a Nike event with another coach's wife another head coach's wife actually, and she said, you know what, we're looking for someone to chair up the Coaches versus Cancer Wives Committee. I think you'd be great. And um, I went home, she emailed me again, said, hey, if you don't want to do it, I understand, but if you're interested, we'd love to get you on a phone call. And that was, that's how I, I got involved. My mom is a breast cancer survivor, and she lost both of her parents to cancer, so it was something that was very close to my heart. So that's how I got involved with that. Um, as far as Make-A-Wish, I do a lot of hosting different events, and it was the same thing in Reno where we moved from. I would, people would ask me to host events, so I had host this, hosted this Make-A-Wish event for a couple years, um, and then I think it was three years in, they got together and they asked me to join that board. So I joined the Make-A-Wish board out there, and then whenever we moved, they were so kind to connect me with the Make-A-Wish Mid-South, and so I joined the board here. So the Chi Omega sorority here, it works with Make-A-Wish. So yes. what is it like getting involved with them? I love it because, you know what, I wasn't in a sorority whenever I was in college, and I really, I don't think I really had friends that were involved in sororities either. So it's like this whole new world that I'm seeing, and it's so cool. Um, I love working with them. It is amazing for me to see the passion that young people have for helping and raising money. And the first year, the philanthropic chair I think her brother was a wish kid, so she was really, really heavily involved in it, and it was just cool to see. Um, and now, there's several members of our board that were Kyle Omegas. And so I kind of see that, and that they kind of got involved in this charity when they were like your age, and then here they are 20 years later, still giving back, still, participating, still participating in this charity, and that is, it's just unbelievable to me. It blows my mind, but I love the Kyle Omegas. They do so much, and they're awesome. So how do you get involved in event planning? Well, <laughs> just I guess just personal experience. You know what I mean? I, like I said, I started out kind of like hosting events, and then I ended up throwing events. And so it's just kind of like you see so many, and you're a part of so many, and you just eventually start learning what things work and what things don't. Um, and I also have my whole list. Like here in Arkansas, I've got my list of vendors that are just like my go-to people. So at this point, it's kind of, it's pretty easy. I have, my sister-in-law has a clothing line and she's coming in town to do a, do a pop-up shop in October and I was like, okay, here's who does my balloons, here's who, here's who does my marquee letter, you know what I mean? I have, I kind of have my, my go-to, so it's pretty easy. So through all these um, philanthropies, you found a really uh, sense of community here? Absolutely, um, and it's, I, I get so busy that I want to, I'm like, okay, I'm tapped out, I can't say no, and then someone else will tell me about something, and I'm like, I can't not, <laughs> I, 
can't not get involved in that too. So I've just found a lot of different ways to help. So I struggle with this. How do you say no? I, you know, you just have, you really have to tell, you have to make a deal with yourself and say you, you cannot take on more than you can chew. You don't want to take on so much that you are not living up to expectations. And so you just have to look at it that way. You want to do a good job. You know you have to have time to do a good job. And so you just sometimes have to say, look, I'd love to do it. Keep me in mind in the future, but right now it's a no. So how do you juggle everything going on in your life? Um, I do have the ability to say no. So that's, that's number one. Um, and I am just a planner. I'm really organized. Like most everyone these days, I live through my phone. And for me, I am a in the bed at 9 o'clock. Like that is my goal. Get in bed at 9 o'clock. The ringer goes off. My husband and I you know, watch some TV. And I try to be asleep by 10 o'clock. Okay, I get my eight hours of sleep. But before I go to bed, I'm like checking my calendar. Okay, what does Wednesday look like? Just so that I'm aware of you know what I need to be doing, and then the next day I'm just really really organized, and I kind of you know I know what I've got to do. You know, I'm glad I'm not alone. I love to go to bed early. <laughs> it's the best. It makes me happy. <laughs> and I think I'm a little different than you because I'm in college. Yeah, I'm you're young. Probably should be going out. But <laughs> when I was your age, I didn't do that. But now all my friends even know they're like, we don't call you past nine o'clock. I know, I get 9 o'clock and there's like a block of, I'm just so tired at that yes, time. Yes, same. The, the second coffee always <laughs> helps. So a lot of people in the community look up to you. How do you set the example? Oh gosh, I just, I, I, I'm authentic. You know, I'm not, I don't, I don't try to set an example. I just am me, you know, and so I, I don't, you know, I don't try, I'm not trying to set an example. I just, I do. I live my life authentically, and uh, with that, I'm you know I'm trying to be a good person. I'm not perfect. I'm for sure going to do something that doesn't make somebody happy or doesn't impress somebody. But um, yeah, I just I set an example, I guess, by just being myself. So at the end of the day, what keeps you going? What's your motive? Oh my goodness, I don't even know. That's really good. I mean, I I want to be um, someone that my daughter looks up to. Um, that's really important to me. I really want to keep our household running smoothly. I want to help my husband succeed um, by doing the things that I can do to help him. I mean, he's got so much on his plate, but I, I try to do the things behind the scenes that kind of make that happen. Um, I love being able to help the community in different ways. That is really gratifying for me. It's kind of um, filled the place, the void that working um, used to hold for me. Uh, so I really feel a sense of accomplishment whenever I'm able to complete some of those things as well. So it seems like you're quite the busy bee, but when did you decide to step down from being a sports anchor? Um, Mariah was about three, um, and I remember clearly we, my husband was an assistant at Arizona State. I was working at NFL Network, but living in, in Scottsdale, and I would fly to LA on a Monday. I would work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then I would come back. Thursday and every single week I did that and I did that for years and eventually it just got to be too much and I remember um, after the Super Bowl and, and I traveled to the Super Bowl I worked there for like five days and I came back and I'm like I gotta take time off like this is just getting exhausting we had to have a live-in nanny because when kids first go to preschool I didn't know this <laughs> 
they get sick all the time. And so, like, the babysitter thing wasn't working because I'd be in L.A. and she'd, you know, get the call that she's got to come home from preschool. So we ended up having to have a live-in nanny because both Eric and I were traveling so much. So I came back from the Super Bowl, and I was like, something's got to give. And I asked my job, I'm like, i got to take some time off. And they're like, like, two weeks? I was like, I was thinking two months. And they're like, yeah, I don't think you can have two months off. And that's when I decided, I'm like, I got to step down. This is not really the way that I kind of wanted my family to work. So it was a hard decision, but it was definitely the best decision for our family. So although you stepped down, you were on the big screen on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. So what is it like being involved with the Arkansas Athletics? Oh, it was so much fun. I mean, I was honestly, I was honored that they even asked me to do that. Like that in-game hosting is something I'd never really done. I did it for basketball. I think last season just won like preseason game or something like that. But it wasn't even something that I'd done. It was, it was so fun. It's like riding a bike. You get back get right back on and you're like oh okay this is how this is how it's done but it was fun and it seemed like it got a pretty good reception people had fun with it so I loved it so when you're single you get to focus on your dream but what was it like being married and focusing on you and your husband's dream um you know it definitely was an adjustment it for sure was an adjustment and this is the crazy thing it was more stressful like I remember you know praying about getting a promotion or praying about getting some certain show and then I remember praying the same thing you know for Eric to get this job or to win this game and that was more stressful I cannot explain it I can't tell you why but like it was almost like his hopes and dreams became even so much bigger maybe because I had no control over it you know because I was just the wife but um, yeah that was it more stressful <laughs> So, who is someone that always inspired you growing up? Oh my, uh, Pam Oliver, who I don't even know if you know who that is because you are so young, but she was, she might not have been the first, but she was the first black female sideline reporter that I can remember. And the amazing thing is she still works the sidelines today for Fox. Um, so, I just remember being uh, a college student, being a high school student and seeing her and there were so few women back in that time and so few black women. I mean, she might have been the only one, her and Robin Roberts. So I definitely looked up to her and um, she's just amazing for not only being able to kind of break ground back then, but the longevity that she's managed for her career is just inspiring. And I did meet her one time and I was like, uh, I, and I was working and I'm like, all hey, like bow down to you. Like she is like up here. So what was it like meeting her? I oh, I was just her. like mine. I was a complete fool probably. I was like, hi, I'm, I'm Danielle. <laughs> I always wanted to be you. Like, since I can remember seeing you, I wanted to do what you're doing. And she was just as gracious and humble as, uh, she was amazing. So, um, so you're quite the girl boss. So tell me, <laughs> how do you do it all? Gosh, I love, I love that you call me a girl boss. Thank you. What I have learned is that you can't do it all, right? I mean, it look, might look like it from the outside, but you have to give yourself grace. Like, you're only one person. And all married women who have kids, it, you just, you're pulled in so many different directions. And so if you're, you know, a mom and you're a wife and you're, you're working and, you know, say you might volunteer on the side or whatever it is, you are torn in so many different directions. There's only one person, you're only gonna have so much time. So 
I learned to just give myself grace and sometimes I tell my husband I, you know I'm gonna have to miss this game because I have to be here with Mariah or I have this going on and I will feel bad about it for a second but then I have to move on because I'm only one person and I can only do so many things and I think that that's what all women struggle with um, is the we want to multiply ourselves times times four you know and do everything and that's just not possible so you have to you have to do what you can do and you have to be okay with that right so I think we're all really sensitive so how do you deal with the fact that you're not gonna make everyone happy um, they just deal with you come to a place and I think it comes with age where you really understand that that's okay I mean I can't say that I don't get that twinge where <laughs> this is a great example my daughter so okay the first year when we were here and we played Kentucky at home my cousin was getting married and I said to my husband I'm like what do I do like the Kentucky game and my cousin is getting married for the first time he's like 40 we've been waiting for this and he was getting married in Mexico and Eric's like well you care about things like weddings I can't advise you and so I, I decided to go to the wedding and it was like so hard I didn't even want to get on the plane and I remember him saying, you know, you can cancel your trip. You don't have to go. And I'm like, no, this is where I should go. This is where I want to be. And it was so hard. I hated leaving. I hated missing that game. But I'm glad that I did. I'm glad that I didn't miss that wedding. So fast forward, this upcoming season, we play Kentucky again. And guess what? My daughter has a dance tournament out of town. <laughs> and I've already told her, I'm like, girl, I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm going to miss this dance tournament. <laughs> You know, I'm like, I cannot miss another Kentucky game, and, and she's okay with it. But you just, you have to make these decisions, and um, my daughter knows. <laughs> so how does your daughter handle being a Muscleman? You know what? She, I don't want to say she doesn't like it, but she, at the end of the day, she really wants to be treated by everybody else, and she doesn't like people to point it out. And so for her, she gets, um, like, kind of embarrassed by it at school, um, she gets a little sensitive about it, you know, because she doesn't want people to say things like, oh, about your, some, and she don't want people to say anything about your dad or I know who your dad is or, or treat her any kind of way. So she definitely gets a little sensitive about it. That's her like 75% of the time. Then there's her 25% of the time that loves it. You know what I mean? That loves having the attention when she's with her dad. I think it's just more among her peers and like when she's at school or camp or something like that, she does not want, she would probably change her last name if she, <laughs> if she possibly could. Um, but then, she, you know, she loves the good parts about it. She loves going to the NCAA tournament. She loves, she loves getting on TV. You know, she loves all that kind of stuff. But um, at school, she just wants, and she goes to public school. You know, so there's a lot of kids, but she just wants to be, you know, Mariah, not Mariah Musselman. So what is it like raising Mariah and then being a wife to Eric? <laughs> um, you know, we are, we're a busy household. I mean, we've kind of talked a lot about that here. Um, it def definitely things are busy. Um, there's definitely lots of good parts about his job and about our family and um, but there's lots of tough parts as well, and it's kind of gotten, we've been here about two and a half years now, where, you know, we don't like to go a lot of places with Eric outside of the house because people are so excited to see him. And it, um, you know, you can't really have like a peaceful dinner necessarily anymore. It's not peaceful to go to like a concert with him because people are so excited and, and constantly wanting to take pictures. And um, so, 
that's just the reality, not complaining about it or anything, but a lot of times, Eric's like, don't you want me to go to Target with you? And I was like, no, a Target <laughs> run with you takes 10 times as long as a Target run by myself, so. <laughs> I actually was talking to a friend, and I told her, yeah, Danielle Musselman's gonna be on my podcast, and she's like, oh my God, I started at Cheers, it felt like I was <laughs> around the gods. <laughs> so that's funny you say that. So, um, being Musselman's wife, how do you still stay true to yourself? Um, so I have always been really good about being able to take time for myself and do the things that I need to do to like be my best self. For me, I, I love exercising. It's like uh, stress relief for me and it just makes me happy. Like when I'm done, nothing, I'm, it's like the best little part of my day. I'm like, oh, this is great, I got a great workout in. So I always, I take time to do that. And so honestly, I have my workouts in my calendar and I really don't let too many things like mess with that. You know what I mean? I, that, that's like, those are appointments I really try not to miss. And so that's, that's my priority. Might miss a nail appointment, might miss a hair appointment or you know something like that, but I do not miss my workouts because I'm just a better me whenever I get that time in. So what's your go-to workout? So I have this great trainer. He's not just me by myself. There's a group of like four of us that we go to him and um, I love weights. I love lifting the heavy weights. And so that's what I do. That's one. So I go with Terrence two times a week. Shout out to Terrence. And then I have a Peloton and I love my Peloton. Okay, my mom's saying <laughs> right now we both love Cody Rigsby. Oh, okay, so have you watched Dancing with the Stars? No. You know he's on, did you oh, know that? okay. Yes. He's on Dancing with the Stars this season, and that's the only reason. I literally recorded it and then fast-forwarded to Cody, and he was amazing. He had a pink suit on. You've got to watch. <laughs> yeah, the other day I was actually wearing my Century Ride shirt. Have you ever reached oh, 100 rides? Oh, yeah. I don't even know. I'm, I'm over 500. I was one of the first people to get a Peloton bike because I used to be a spin instructor when I oh. lived in Reno, and so I, I've always loved spinning, and then... But when you teach, you don't get as good a workout as when you take a class. And so I was a spin instructor and then got a Peloton so I could like get my hard workouts in. So I've had one for years. And then when the pandemic hit, luckily I, ha I had the bike already and all these other people had these, you know, four month waits for the Peloton. But um, yeah, I've had it for a long time, huge fan. So um, I have one last question before I let you go. What is something you wish you could tell your younger self? Oh my goodness. Um, I still struggle with this now, but it's like don't let don't let worry take over your life and take over your emotions. Um, because I was just I'm a Type A person, and I was just constantly like, what if I don't get a job? What if I don't do this? You know, what if I never can do this? I I constantly was worried about that. Yeah, I con I let worry just affect me on a day to day basis. And now I've narrowed it down, and I pretty much just now worried about my daughter and my husband, but that's a lot less than what I, I used to just be so worried that everything wasn't going to turn out perfect. And you know what? Life isn't perfect, and whatever happens, you roll with it. And I, I learned that now, um, but it's hard to kind of grasp that when you're like in your early 20s and you know, you're navigating through life. I remember the first time I was like without a job, and I was like laying you know, laying in bed awake, couldn't sleep because I didn't know where my next job was going to be and that kind of stuff. But, you know, life is going to work out. You, you just, you just kind of have to let go of what you can't control. 
So funny you say that. I'm almost 20 years old and I feel like I worry all the time. <laughs> what should I do? Don't do it. Don't do it. Okay. You, yeah, you, you can't. Maybe try meditation. I, I, I don't meditate, but I heard that works for a lot of people. Okay, I'll update you. Well, thank you, Danielle. It's been a pleasure having you on. I'll see you all next week, but in the meantime, I'll just be to the beat of my own drum.